Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello! Welcome to a special spooky episode of Literary Quest. This is our Halloween episode, and we are discussing Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Uh, we picked this book because we thought it was going to be spooky. Turns out it's not really, but we didn't know. And so <clears throat> there you go. Um, Mary Shelley is just real interesting. She had kind of a weird, sad life. And like everyone close to her died after she wrote this story, which is not unlike what happens to Frankenstein. So it's kind of bizarre and reflective of real life for her which I'm sure is a bummer to experience in real life. So sorry about your sad life, Mary Shelley. Uh, I'll start with our <laughs> character. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, she got really popular off of this. So, and I think you found some interesting stuff about her life. Like her, her mom was a super feminist and her dad, like her parents were radicals. Yeah. And then her family, like after she died, like, so her surviving family downplayed how radical she was to like make her, give her a softer image in history. Yeah. So interesting life of Mary Shelley. Um, all right. I will talk about our characters and then Vicki will pick up with our plot. Uh, so we have some characters. They are Victor Frankenstein. Victor is a moody, broody, pretentious scientist who discovers how to create life. He has his monster who is unnamed. He is surprisingly cultured. He teaches himself how to speak French and to read, and he really just wants to be loved, um, but is so hideously ugly and deformed courtesy of his creator that he scares away everyone who sees him uh we have henry clairval who is victor's bestie he's the son of a merchant and he really just wants to explore the world we have elizabeth that's victor's cousin they were raised together after her mother died and it's kind of always been assumed that they would end up together so that she and Victor would get married. We have Mr. Frankenstein, Victor's dad, who is actually pretty kind and cares a lot for his kids. And he get, like, is very concerned for Victor's well-being. So he's, he seems like a pretty good dad. So good on you, Mr. Frankenstein. And then we have Robert Walton, who is our narrator. He is ambitious and is trying to find the North Pole. He opens and closes the book with letters to his sister, Margaret. Our book takes place in a bunch of different locations, uh, mostly in Switzerland, but also in Germany, France, England, Scotland, and Ireland. Vicki, you want to do our plot? Yes, and full disclosure, I got this plot off of sparknotes.com, so all credit goes to them. Thanks, Sparknotes. You're doing the people's work. <laughs> All right. So 
In a series of letters, Robert Walton, the captain of a ship bound for the North Pole, recounts to his sister back in England the progress of his dangerous mission. Successful early on, the mission is soon interrupted, interrupted by seas full of impassable ice. Trapped, Walton encounters Victor Frankenstein, who has been traveling by dog-drawn sleigh across the ice and is weakened by the cold. Walton takes him aboard, helps him helps nurse him back to health, and hears the fantastic tale of the monster that Frankenstein created. Victor first describes his early life in Geneva. At the end of a blissful childhood spent in the company of his cousin Elizabeth and friend Henry Clerval, Victor enters university to study natural philosophy and chemistry. There he is consumed by the desire to discover the secret of life and, after several years of research, becomes convinced that he has found it. Armed with the knowledge he has long been seeking, Victor spends months feverishly fashioning a creature out of old body parts. One climactic night in the secrecy of his apartment, he brings his creation to life. When he looks at the monstrosity that he has created, however, the sight horrifies him. After a fitful night of sleep, interrupted by the specter of the monster looming over him, he runs into the streets. Victor runs into Henry, who has come to study at the university, and he takes his friend back to his apartment. Though the monster is gone, Victor falls into a feverish illness. Sickened by his horrific deed, Victor prepares to return to Geneva, to his family, and to health. Just before departing, however, he receives a letter from his father informing him that his youngest brother, William, has been murdered. Grief-stricken, Victor hurries home. While passing through the woods where William was strangled, he catches sight of the monster and becomes convinced that the monster is his brother's murderer. Arriving in Geneva, Victor finds that Just Justine Mortz, a kind, gentle girl who had been adopted by the Frankenstein household, has been accused. She is tried, condemned, and executed. Victor grows despondent, guilty with the knowledge that the monster he has created bears responsibility for the death of two innocent loved ones. Hoping to ease his grief, Victor takes a vacation to the mountains. While he is alone one day, crossing an enormous glacier, the monster approaches him. The monster admits to the murder of William, but begs for understanding. He tells his tale of watching a small family in poverty. He came to think of them as friends, but when he finally presented himself to them, they harshly rejected him. Lonely, shunned, and forlorn, he says that he struck out at William in a desperate attempt to injure Victor, his cruel creator. The monster begs Victor to create a mate for him, a monster equally grotesque to serve as his sole companion. Victor refuses at first, horrified by the prospect of creating a second monster. The monster is eloquent and persuasive though, and he eventually convinces Victor. After returning to Geneva, Victor heads for England, accompanied by Henry, to gather information for the creation of a female monster. Leaving Henry in Scotland, he secludes himself on a desolate island in the Orkneys, and works reluctantly at repeating his first success. One night, struck by doubts about the morality of his actions, Victor glances out the window to see the monster glaring in at him with a frightening grin. Horrified by the possible consequences of his work, Victor destroys his new creation. The monster, enraged, vows revenge, swearing that he will be with Victor on Victor's wedding night. Later that night, Victor takes a boat out onto a lake and dumps the remains of the second creature in the water. The wind picks up and prevents him from returning to the island. In the morning, he finds himself ashore near an unknown town. Upon landing, he is arrested and informed that he will be tried for a murder discovered the previous night. Victor denies any knowledge of the murder, but when shown the body, he is shocked to behold his friend Henry, 
with the mark of the monster's fingers on his neck. Victor falls ill, raving and feverish, and is kept in prison until his recovery, after which he is acquitted of the crime. Shortly after, after returning to Geneva with his father, Victor marries Elizabeth. He fears the monster's warning and suspects that he will be murdered on his wedding night. To be cautious, he sends Elizabeth away to wait for him. While he awaits the monster, he hears Elizabeth scream and realizes that the monster had been hinting at killing his new bride, not himself. Victor returns home to his father who dies of grief a short time later. Victor vows to devote the rest of his life to finding the monster and exacting his revenge. And he soon departs to begin his quest. So it happens. Does he find his monster? You'll have to keep listening or read the book to find out. <laughs> Not sure if spoilers are super needed for this I mean, book, but it's there in case. So have you ever read this book before? No, I haven't. Had you? I had not. What did you think of it? Um, I would not read it again. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there were a lot of descriptions and I could have done without some of them. Like all of the descriptions of Victor's feelings. He just, just had feelings. so many. He had so many feelings. And his feelings took up, you know, one to three paragraphs. And I really don't think you need that much space for all the feelings. So there were like whole pages that I skipped. When I was reading, I was like, oh my gosh, he's still internal mon monologuing. Um, yeah. It's also, it wasn't scary and I thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's why we chose it. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> now we know. Uh, what did you think? I also would not reread this book. Um, it was, it felt very long because of all of the inner monologue and so much of it was, woe is me. Ugh, I'm going to fall into a feverish fit. Oh my gosh. He had so many fevers and spells and faints. Um, my favorite part was any interaction with the monster. He was mm -hmm. a great character, but he you only get it like three times I think you get interaction with the monster three times that really long monologue that he does that lasts several chapters oh my when they're in when he's in Scotland mm -hmm. and then at the end when he interacts again with the um captain I think that's it mm. and he's the best part of the book yeah I agree I was definitely on team monster. Same. Yeah. Henry. No, not Henry. Uh, Victor Frankenstein. I bet you $100 would be an irresponsible pet owner. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And a crap father. He would be the guy who had the kid wanted to be dad the kid actually arrives and he's like i gotta go buy i'm gonna go buy some cigarettes yeah 
I'm going to go down to the corner store and you'll never see me again. Mm -hmm. That's Victor Frankenstein is an irresponsible parent. And he's a ninny. My gosh. <laughs> I was reading this story and I was like, oh, Victor, why are you such a wimp? Stop fainting. Do you think that all of his fevers and fits and everything, do you think he had some sort of like mental illness? Maybe like maybe I mean, he's bipolar and that's what these fevers were. Because yeah. they all happened at really low points. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering right, if like it's some type of manic disorder or something. Yeah. Especially, uh, maybe so. Especially because he goes from having this obsession, right? Like that's something that's uh, something that I think Bible and people who end up with manic disorders, they do, they obsess on something. Yeah. Right. Um, and then they don't have it anymore, which in this case, because you know, he was just like, eh, you're ugly. Yeah. Um, and they fall into a depression. Yes. Yeah. I could see that. May I mean maybe, maybe that is what's going on. Maybe that's why his emotions are so extreme. You need there are definitely extreme emotions here. I got over Victor Frankenstein real quick he's very extra he strikes me as being like very dramatic like he's your dramatic relative at holiday gatherings mm -hmm. stubs his toe and then that's it is down for the night mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. but like we'll lay on the couch with yeah. everyone and moan periodically especially like if someone even sits on the edge of the couch he's gonna be like oh my foot <laughs> you're having so a spell <laughs> Oh. Ice, I need ice. <laughs> it's swollen. Mm -hmm. yeah. And everyone else is just like, no, it's it's not. It's just your toe. You're fine. <laughs> it's about a flesh wound. Mm -hmm. I read this book in my head in like an English accent. Did you? Yes. Would you care to uh, provide, like, read a passage? Absolutely not. I cannot in do your, a British accent. British accent. <laughs> You don't, you don't want to do it. You don't want to do it. You don't want to sample. Um, no, that's, that's okay. I'm just wondering if anyone else, or if you, have you ever read anything in like a British accent or any other accent when you read a book? I don't think so. Not that I know of. Um, I don't think I've ever actually paid that much attention to the voice that I'm using when I'm reading. I think it's probably just good old American. I read it the same way that Mr. Darcy talks in Pride and Prejudice. Okay. That same accent, like, or whatever that um, Colin Firth has. Oh, oh, that Mr. Darcy. Yes. What Not Matthew, Mc, uh, Matthew McFadden, Mr. Darcy. Oh, no. The two-hour version of Pride and oh. Prejudice, which I don't understand why everyone hates on. It's really good. And it only takes you two hours to watch. Not like... I don't know, a billion, like the miniseries. <laughs> yes, but that one's so good. But it takes forever. I read it in a normal accent. I wish that you would do a dramatic reading in a British accent, though. But I, I can't. I can't do a British accent, so it'll sound awful. Were you expecting this book to be spooky? Yes, I was. I was so excited. I was like, yes, it's going to be spooky. It was not. It was it's not, it's sad. This book is sad. I just felt bad at the end of this book. Yeah, it's sad. 
I did maybe do you think it was spooky for the time like was this spooky in Mary Shelley's time maybe I guess the idea of reanimation is what made it spooky but is there was hardly any description of it Man, mm -hmm. I'm just the idea of it I guess you're right like maybe just the idea of reanimating the dead is spooky enough maybe we're desensitized to spook these days yeah not spooky definitely sad not even like a little bit there was not even like a jump scare type of moment i don't know it wasn't scary it wasn't spooky i was hoping for more i was hoping for like maybe just a little bit of gore honestly you know he talks about victor talks about going to charnel houses and but he don't, like we don't get really any descriptions and then he's giving all of these descriptors about going to these places and like does nobody look at you sideways when you're doing this like, I thought that too. How did this not raise any red flags? Yeah. He travels from Switzerland to Scotland and I guess collects body parts along the way so that he can make his monster a girlfriend. And, you know, he destroys what he's making while he's in Scotland. Like, where did you have these decaying body parts? mister were they in your suitcase nobody questioned how smelly it was <laughs> i don't know maybe things were different i think things were different back then nobody would you know they would have just assumed maybe he smelled bad and wouldn't say anything about it or maybe just everybody smelled bad i mean that's possible maybe they did yeah oh you smell like a rotting body Sorry, <laughs> I don't have access to running water. <laughs> I don't have perfume. Don't have any lard to make soap. Don't have any flowers to tie around my neck to scent me. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was it. Everyone just smelled like a charnel house. <sighs> this book was weird. You know, it starts out as just like this neglectful parent, and then it turns into a game of like cross country chase where the monster's like, Hey, I killed your relative. Catch me if you can. I'm going to keep running. Don't give up. Keep chasing me. Here's a clue I'm going to leave you a dead rabbit so you don't starve. Like, <laughs> I think he, I don't know. I kind of, to me, it read like the monster was enjoying being chased a little bit. Maybe it was, I, I think probably some of it was satisfaction at knowing that Frankenstein is being tormented, but I wonder if he got like some bizarre sense of companionship from knowing that he was being pursued. Probably it was attention and he never got like attention like that. Everyone always ran away from him or beat him and sent him away yeah so now somebody's chasing after him which you know they're doing it so that they can destroy him but really oh yeah he's the someone's sole focus for a little bit mm -hmm. poor guy i feel so bad for the monster i do too you know Vic, so victor talks about how he tried to make him attractive he tried to get him some nice teeth but his face is just hideous and appalling. 
And it's really sad to me when the monster sees his reflection in a body of water and he's like, oh God, I'm sad. I'm ugly. Ah, no wonder. Everyone hates me because I'm ugly. Ah. It's so sad. It's real sad. Yeah. It's totally Victor's fault because it's also he's also described as being like eight foot tall, right? Yeah. Eight feet tall. Why yeah. would you okay? Where'd you get long legs like that? Where for real? Like, where did you find these femurs, Victor? <laughs> like, clearly not off a human. No. Did you harvest the legs of a giraffe? Is that what this is? Like Victor just made a bad human, imitation human. It's his fault. It's his fault that he could have done better. Why did you want to make such a gigantic man, Victor? <laughs> what was your part? Were you thinking world domination? Were you looking for an extra large dude? No I judgment. just don't understand. He saw what the monster was going to look like before he reanimated. It wasn't like it was a surprise. Yeah. Why did he reanimate him? I don't I don't know. I don't understand. That moment was hysterical to me. He spent years, years and years and years becoming educated, reading these books, doing the science, getting the instruments, years and years away from his family, years and years in charnel houses, collecting body parts. The moment he reanimates this monster, he's like, oh no, I made a mistake. Oops, made a mistake. I was wrong. I'm going to run away from my problems now. Exactly. Ah! Instead of like doing anything about it, like, I don't know, maybe trying to talk to this monster you created or immediately dissembling it or something, you know, something. He just like, oh no, runs away. I'm going to go to bed. (laughs) Yeah, goes to bed, wakes up because the monster's like, what's going on? I'm like a thing now. I have consciousness. I exist. Help right and he's like oh and runs away and falls into a fever mm-hmm. him and his damn fevers and then his poor friend henry yes henry just wants to see the world you know <laughs> he just wants he, he just wants to see he shows up and is like hey I miss you. Your family missed you. It's been like six years. I thought I'd come say hi and ends up taking care of this poor buffoon for months, like two seasons pass that Henry is taking care of this idiot and his fever. You're a bad friend, Victor Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. He's an emotional vampire. (laughs) Like Colin. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> What's with the Collins today? <laughs> I mean, Collins just a, I don't know. It's just, it's just coming up. It's just coming up. Yeah. Uh, he's an emotional vampire. You're so right. He just takes and takes and takes and gives nothing back. He is disgusting with the way that he talks about his cousin wife. Okay. <laughs> he made me so mad. So first, in the beginning of the book, he goes that um, he likes to tend on her as he would a favorite animal. Excuse me? She's a human. But, okay, I guess you have feelings for her to an extent that you would care for an animal or something? I, I don't know. I but mean, later on... 
Isn't it a compliment to be cared for in the same way that one would care for their favorite dog? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, I, read, I read that and was like, um, what? And then, then this happens. So after his brother is murdered, right? He goes and Elizabeth is being, you know, all uh, helpful, right? And he goes, I never beheld her so enchanting at this time when she was continually endeavoring to contribute to the happiness of others entirely forgetful of herself. Ew. 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 Pass. I can see how he would find it attractive someone giving up all of themselves to take up some take care of someone else though because that's pretty much what he needs right yes he needs he's a child he is a child he's a life sucker (laughs) and I just felt so bad for poor Elizabeth I know she really got saddled with a crap partner Mm-hmm. he's sick all the time he looks <laughs> sad all the time she's constantly worried about him dying then he gets her killed yeah then he gets her killed and she knows she knows bad stuff is coming because they get married and he's talking about how they're sailing to her home in austria and she's quiet and she looks worried and she tries to fake it for him but she's scared of something she knows mm-hmm. she knows some bad things are coming uh, she got the raw end of the deal there as women tend to yeah for real how great is it that he, henry not henry uh victor asks her to go to her room and then spends the whole night patrolling the house except her room she deserved better she did everyone in this book deserved better except victor yeah Victor got what was he was so pretentious at the beginning of this book. It found him so annoying. And he was like, oh, I studied this and I studied that. And I was the best at this. And oh, Henry wasn't great at this. He was more, his inclinations were more towards philosophy versus science. Yeah. I was like, oh God. I, I did like how he went to college though. And he told that one professor who he didn't like. Mm-hmm. because of this about these books by these authors that he had been reading and the professor was like ah, those books are a thousand years old man that's not <laughs> modern science anymore and victor was automatically like i didn't like him <laughs> uh. but he did like the guy who studied chemistry who was like oh those are nice books mm-hmm I was very impressed with the monster. He figures out fire. He escapes and goes into the woods and learns how to feed himself and forage all by himself. No help. He finds a place to stay. He creates shelter. He teaches himself French, which is hard. I tried to learn French on Duolingo. And let me just say, all the words sound the same. (laughs) So 10 points to Monster for teaching himself French, taught himself to read. He lived in a miniature shed for a year. Mm -hmm. And nobody found out, so he's stealthy. 
yes, I was also very impressed with the monster, and he was he was he was clever, right? I think did you yeah. see, uh, you know he plotted i mean not in a bad way plot sounds bad but the best way to introduce himself to this family yeah my question then is is his intelligence from the brain that victor picked out for him and if it is and he retains that intelligence why doesn't he have any memories shouldn't he have memories what's with the brain yeah you would think he would have memories I don't know. I uh, I don't know. You would think he would have memories. You would think that his intelligence would have to come from the brain that he was given. Because it's not like he had... I mean, if this was a nature versus nurture thing, it's not like there's any sort of nurture to help him learn these things. So it's got to be like a nature, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you ever watch any of the Frankenstein movies? No. Have you? Uh Uh-uh. So, although I haven't watched it, you know, we, I think of Frankenstein and for the first off forever, it was Frankenstein is the name of the monster, right? Everyone always assumes that. Mm -hmm. Like, and I knew before starting this, it wasn't, but you picture Frankenstein with those bolts in his neck, Mm -hmm. right? And then also with a town full of like uh, a mob of people coming after him with pitchforks and yeah. his creator defending him. Yeah. Where was that? Not in this book. Not in the book. I kept waiting for the mob. I was 10 <laughs> pages off the end and I was like, where's the mob? Is that going to happen? Nope. There's no it mob. is not. Where did that come from? I don't know. I guess the theatrical they- thing. I guess I thought it was a better like plot than Victor chasing around the monster and then them both dying. Yeah, make it more compelling. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like the book's already pretty compelling in favor of the monster. So, but all right, yeah. Um, so bad for him. And then he recounts afterwards how he saved somebody's life and the um, person shot him. Yeah, he rescued a woman from a river and she was horrified. And the man that was chasing her through the woods, playfully, not a scary chase, uh, is, of course, frightened by Frankenstein and he shoots him. You don't shoot things just because you're scared. There's a whole poem about that. I feel bad for the monster and the way that people respond to him. I, I... Like even the kid, William, who is Frankenstein's brother, he gets killed. Frankenstein, even with that kid, is like, he is young. He won't have been conditioned to hate me. And then he goes and pleads with the kid, like, let's be friends, which, okay, is a little creepy. And the kid's like, ah, you're ugly. I hate you. I'm going to tell my whatever, blah, blah. And then he kills the kid. Uh which is a bit of an excessive response, but he just gets a lot of hate. We've talked a little bit about the monster's good qualities, right? Mm-hmm. He's got a couple not great qualities. For example, the murder. The murders are bad. That's bad. But this, the audacity, you must create a female for me with whom I can live in the interchange of those sympathies necessary for my being. 
This you alone can do, and I demand it of you as a right which you must not refuse. The audacity of man, even in monster form, to demand a female. (laughs) Yeah, I I liked the conflict that uh frankenstein has in this situation because he start he starts the process of making the monster because he feels like he doesn't have an alternative but then he starts to think about this other monster that he's creating and part of his concern is well what if i create another monster and she doesn't actually want frankenstein and she goes on a murder spree too Uh, but that's an interesting thought that he even considers that like what if this isn't a situation that she wants to be in Mm mm-hmm that's an interesting thought for 1800s man right to have any feelings at all about what a female might want yeah yeah i got i mean the audacity i totally agree we were rooting for frankenstein to not be a dirtbag and it turns out that he is and i get i understand that he doesn't want to be alone Mm -hmm. and he feels like his only option is to have someone equally as ugly and frightening as him so that he won't be alone gosh but the gall to demand that he make him a woman she doesn't even get to choose if she wants to be with the monster or not Mm yeah so that wasn't great I, yeah, I felt conflicted. The monster's real sensitive. He really wants to be loved. And that's why he wants a companion because he won't be able to have anyone else to love him. And that's a lonely life. I understand why the monster is so upset with Victor. I don't think that's a good excuse to murder his entire family and his friends. Um, but I, you would think that Victor, you know, after the first brother was murdered, you would think that Victor would understand that his family was at risk and would take action to protect them. But he does not. No, he doesn't. In his selfishness, he thinks that only... Um, the monster, the monster will only come after him. Yeah. When they're in Scotland and the monster is like, I'll see you on your wedding night. And Victor's like, oh, he's going to kill me on my wedding night. My first thought was he's going to kill Elizabeth. Yep. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you think, oh, he's going to try to kill Elizabeth. He killed William. He killed Henry. Why wouldn't you think that? Yeah. Like, and he clearly said that he was going to make his life miserable, right? Being dead is not going to be makes him miserable. Yeah. Having everyone around him die is going to be miserable. So, in your eyes, who do you view as the bigger villain? Is it Victor or the monster? Victor. Okay. Why? Well, Uh, The monster became a monster because of Victor. I think 
the monster, I mean, he started with a fresh slate, right? And he ended up being intelligent, eloquent, very capable of taking care of himself. The things that he did, his actions were pretty much in direct response to the way that he was treated by Victor and the frustrations that he developed as a result of being abandoned. And so I think that the real monster is Victor because if he had been a responsible parent or creator, whatever, and tried just a little to help this thing that he spent so much time working on, the outcome could have been completely different. Now it is wrong to go around and murder people across the Swiss countryside. Sure. But would he have done that if Victor had stepped up? I don't think so. So I think the real monster is Victor. Okay. What do you think? I also lay more blame at Victor's feet than I do at the monster's feet. However, that made me think when I was thinking this um, about this, what does that say then about like parents, how we view parents, like actual parents? Mm-hmm. Um, how much responsibility lies with the parents for the actions of their children and their offspring, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily while they're kids. So, you know, we're placing all of this blame on Victor and I, I personally think rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But if this was a real like parental relationship, mm-hmm. we would probably be placing more emphasis on the uh, responsibility on the child or the monster in this case, the one who makes the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably so. I feel like we we know that a lot of times the parents are responsible for the actions that their behavior that kids make, even as they become adults. But also with adults, we often look at the other influences that they have in their lives. So their only exposure typically is not just their parents. They're exposed to teachers and neighbors and friends and relatives and other people who can shape their behavior too. And our monster doesn't really have a lot of that either. And our monster experiences a ton of social isolation and rejection. And we know from those, like the orphanage studies, right? That children who don't experience like nurturing behavior Mm -hmm. tend to have more negative outcomes. Yes. I think that's a good parallel to draw. Um, I also think that's an interesting aspect to explore kind of in this because the monster says several times that um, he's evil because he's sad, right? But he wasn't made to be sad. He was, well, let me find my quote about it here. My heart was fashioned to be susceptible of love and sympathy, and when wretched by misery to vice and hatred, it did not endure the violence of the change without torture. So you mentioned before, like, nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. 
it seems like in this, in the monster's mind anyway, he was naturally, and I think we actually do see this, you know, naturally he was really curious. He wanted to get to know these people. He loved, he called them his protectors, this little family that he watched, you know, and then he's rejected and he's rejected again and he's beaten and he becomes not as nice, you know, Mm -hmm. he loses that sympathy that he had. Um, and so I think that, you know, kind of plays into the nurture part. You know, he wasn't, he didn't really have anybody nurturing him. So everything came from an outside source and how the world treated him, mm-hmm. which is negatively. So of course that's how he'll react to everything after that it tends to be with a negative mindset. I also find it interesting um, that he just assumes that happiness is going to make him good again. Yeah. And I'd be really curious to find out if like he did get his bride or his bride, his female, whatever, his companion that Victor was going to create. If that really would have solved his problems. Yeah. You know, or I mean, he would still have this trauma of like the first people that he saw as being, you know, like he envisioned them as being friends, rejecting and beating him. You know, he still has trauma from that. How much is just making the women therapist again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. What did you think of the end? How their um, Victor is chasing the creature across sheets of ice in the Arctic and they stumble upon him or he stumbles upon this boat that Robert Walton is on. And up until the very end, he is convinced he's going to get that monster he's not going to get that monster that monster's <laughs> only gonna, like i don't know why it's even said like multiple times when he first meets the monster like oh he he rode away so quickly you know or he moved with speed that i could never imagine or something and it's just come on he's playing with you you really think you're going to catch this monster yeah. it literally says like at one point the monster literally says like you've made me with the best ligaments or something like I'm spry I don't, that's not what he says he says something about <laughs> all the body parts that he made him out of being like the best of the best though so how sad for Victor that he can't take a moment to appreciate this great thing that he made he's eight foot tall super like he's stealthy he sneaks he's a, it's hard to be eight feet tall and be sneaky mm-hmm. i feel like no matter what had happened he probably would have had a negative view on it yeah that's fair so this also the ending also made me think of rocky horror picture show yeah so at the end of rocky horror um Frankenverter, right, gets killed. And his creation that he uh, brought back to life, um, Rocky, naturally, of course, um, is distraught and upset and carries, tries to like carry him off and then he gets killed, right? And in my head, when I'm reading this, you know, now the monster is like, well, he's dead, so I can die too. But he's also distraught at the death of Victor. He's saddened by it. and I don't know why it just made me think of that. Probably the whole reanimation and everything. That's what I pictured for some reason. I pictured him picking up Frankenstein, like going through the window with him. 
Like I know that's not what happened, but that is what happened in my head. Yeah. Frank or Frankenstein, the monster carried off Frankenstein's body and killed himself. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how what's Walton at the end Frankenstein or no the monster sneaks in to see dead Frankenstein and he's like woeful and Walton pulls out some shame on him he's like well this is kind of your fault and okay you're getting a little sassy for not really knowing these people Mr. Walton but all right (laughs) yes you can get a little preachy yeah I don't know I was glad when it ended and I was kind of glad they both ended up dying. I think it was the best outcome for everyone. I think it was. Quotes? Yeah, let's do quotes. Awesome. Uh, You go first. I had two. My first one doesn't really work if you can't see the meme that I have, but I'm going to describe it. (laughs) So, um... Frankenstein says this, I was benevolent and good. Misery made me a fiend. Make me happy and I shall again be virtuous. So again, going off that idea that happy means you're good. Happy means you'll be good. And, um, but the meme I have is Victor Frankenstein's reaction, which is Ron Burgundy going, I don't believe you. (laughs) And my second quote, is I can, again, said by the monster, I can hardly describe to you the effect of these books. They produced in me an infinity of new images and feelings that sometimes raised me to ecstasy, but more frequently sunk me to the lowest dejection. Books will definitely do that to you. (laughs) I picked a couple of quotes as well. So I chose this one. I believe the monster says it. Life, although it may only be an accumulation of anguish, is dear to me and I will defend it. I think it's interesting and it speaks to the monster's desire to persevere despite loads and loads of adversity and people being horrible to him. He says, even though it's just one bit of anguish after the other, it's dear to him. He wants to defend it. He wants to live. It's not fair that he never really got to live either. Yeah. He spent, you know, he spent a year trying to socialize and then the rest of his life became about seeking revenge, living out of hate, which is no way to live. And then I picked the second quote. This is something that Victor says after Elizabeth dies. And I like it because I just think it speaks to how God, dramatic Victor is. So he says, a fiend has snatched from me every hope of future happiness. No creature had ever been so miserable as I was. So frightful an event is single in the history of man. (laughs) Okay, dude. No one has ever been as sad as me before. (laughs) I am unique in my anguish. Nothing this bad has ever happened to anyone else in the world. Okay, Victor. 
<laughs> All right. I think that wraps up Frankenstein. Yes, I think we're good with Frankenstein. Yeah. And may we never need to discuss it again. <laughs> nope. I never re- need to read this book again. Okay. That's Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Happy Halloween. We hope you get lots of tricks and treats, candies, dress up. Thanks for listening to our non-spooky, but we had the best intentions Halloween episode. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.